In continuation of this episode, Darwin and Trudy resume their conversation on how clinic backgrounds has been beneficial and why RA leadership considers more opportunities for clinicians and how her background has allowed growth in the area of AI. You've got a pretty diverse background and then startups previously and now another startup. So what are your thoughts for our regulatory following and people thinking about how they want to take their career um, what's important in considering joining a startup to be successful? So I started my career at a company that was like about 200 people. Um, I think it, it grew to one point to being <clears throat> closer to maybe, you know, upwards of 350 people. But it's so it's a relatively small startup. Um, and I've been at another startup where there, I think there was like 12 people. So <laughs> you, you have, you know, even within startups, you have different sizes. And I think that um, one of the things that I enjoy about startups is the, the kind of team environment that you get where we're all going together and we're all going to succeed together or we're all going to fail together. Right. <laughs> right. And you also get a lot more opportunities to do different aspects and to grow. So, you know, you're not going to, at a small 12 person company, you're not going to have someone who, you know, opens the door and somebody who closes the door, you know, just to give you an illustration, you're going to right. have the same people. So you're going to have to, to, to learn all about your job and maybe possibly about, a portion of a job that you had never even considered doing, right? So, yes. for instance, I, in one of my jobs, I, I went in and I was supposed to be uh, dealing with regulatory, but it turned out I also needed to oversee contract manufacturing. So, like, wow. that doesn't seem to go together, right? But, <laughs> no, not typically. <laughs> but it was a great opportunity for me to learn more um, in that particular, you know, atmosphere, uh, environment, um, even at small companies, I didn't, you know, when I came out of school, I didn't take a job in regulatory. I took a job in, in, um, in research, but because I was a small company, it allowed me to get more involved in preparing portions of, of, um, IDEs, portions of, uh, you know, a PMA, you're just more, you get more opportunity across the thing. If you go to bigger companies, you get different types of opportunities, maybe yes. the opportunity to manage uh, more people and to train people, um, the opportunity to have, you know, facilities that are not just one building, you know, you, you have buildings across you know, across the country or even internationally. Right. So there's each size to me um, brings different opportunities for you. And yes. I think as long as you're open to that, um, then, you know, you can do that. But I, I do think that um, the team environment in small uh, companies is something that I do like um, where, you know, nobody succeeds alone. You only succeed in a group. And I, absolutely. I, no, I think that's, I absolutely agree with that. And, 
there are companies that maybe they, they you know, they have, uh, they are in financial trouble, or maybe they, they don't have great leadership. But if you, you take those kind of to the side, there's a lot of, of great companies and they all have pros and cons. So understanding what matters to you, what you're open to, um, some people, certain personality, and you kind of talked about open the door, shut the door. I always say, if you want to park in the same spot, go to the same desk and do the same thing every day, then startups, not, not probably the right fit for you. Uh, I was at a company in corporate America at about 24 million, which, uh, they were well past the startup stage, but I, I, I had the opportunity to enjoy going from that to about 80 million and, and getting to wear a lot of different hats. And so for me, I really enjoyed that, but starting a company and was definitely the opportunity to really kind of stretch. And I know you had said earlier, you like to be in a position where you can, where you can grow. I call it stretch getting to kind of understand other areas that maybe you didn't realize that you, you could grow and, and, and gain additional skills. And I know that's something for me that I've really appreciated over this last eight years. Um, so I think that's a really uh, great synopsis. I appreciate you, you giving that perspective. Um, so you and I have had several conversations about the regulatory affairs career pathway. And my second year was when I really started to get involved with regulatory affairs. And obviously it's something that we're deeply involved in, uh, RAPS Convergence, uh, uh, and, and it's an area that we want to continue to grow in. But there's certainly a significant lack of talent. And um, uh, we did a... I presented at LSI Emerging MedTech, and we, we do a lot of um, surveys. We have an, uh, an academic facility that we partner with in certain functional areas so that we can see how the, the talent is thinking about certain things and share that information with our clients as well. And that survey was 900 regulatory affairs professionals, uh, multiple categories that they talked about, relevant to remote, autonomy, but in that, they stated that they're reached out to for new opportunities one to two times a day or four to six times a week, which I found absolutely phenomenal. And then 88% said that the number two or number number one or number two most important thing they would consider in their career advancement after the complexity of the product and the culture is autonomy. So there's certainly a lack of talent. There's a lot of opportunity. And I think sometimes from, from my experience, leaders and companies are looking for a 12 out of 10, somebody that's just checked off every single box in regulatory, which, which I think is really interesting. I love the book, The Talent War and its philosophy. And in regulatory, I kind of share the example of running a bakery versus a specialist in the bakery, bakery making confectionists or uh, confections, trumpets, truffles. So I know you and I have talked about this, you know, in this, on the side before, but could you kind of share your thoughts on companies being more open to crossover talent and regulatory affairs professionals having growth opportunities uh, from your perspective? Yeah, sometimes you, when you're interviewing, I, I think you come across people who are like, how many of these, you know, how many 510Ks have you submitted? Right. PMAs have you done? Um, and, and they're real stuck on, you know, kind of a checkbox mentality, which I'm, I'm not sure serves them well. Um, and I know that it's it's very exclusionary. It's it's yes. excluding people who could step in and, and play a role. Um, I know in my career, I've had the opportunity to take individuals that um, were working in quality 
and 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 they wanted an opportunity. And you know, you look at their basic skill set, and those skill sets were transferable. And you know, we brought them over, and and I've never had somebody that I brought over from quality not work out. Um, but I've also brought people in from um, in from marketing. It may sound a little a little odd, but you know, they they came in, they had a certain set of skills, um, and I think that's more important. Well, to to your point in that, and we've done a lot of work in in marketing, product management, certain channel, uh, you know, categories, and if somebody's worked upstream, downstream marketing, interacted with KOL leaders. So much of regulatory is understanding process, uh, thinking strategically, emotional intelligence, de-escalation, if you're interacting with the FDA or governing body, and, and having good writing skills. And so I think, to your point, they're, depending on the person and their cultural fit and their attitude and how they want to grow, there's, there's a lot of opportunities in regulatory, and that talent's got to come from somewhere. Right. And, you know... Even talent from um, people who were in nursing or in individuals who maybe got their medical degree outside of the country, um, there's just a lot of opportunity. And I think you have to look for what you're talking about is, is a person who is interested in learning more, mm-hmm. interested in, in developing things for um, helping people. You know, you can't underestimate uh, a person's determination and aptitude. Um, you know, their their skill sets. Um, you know, one of the things that I look for in all the people that I have brought in has been their attention to detail, their and their organizational skill, right? Because yeah. in regulatory, we have a lot of things that we have to keep uh, uh, sorted and 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 organized in that, um, and their ability and desire to learn more. And um, it doesn't, and just sending somebody to college doesn't always work for you. Um, You know, like if you, if you, you know, uh, have them help you with a submission a couple of times and then have them draft a submission and come behind them, you can you can get them there if they're really determined and really willing to to put in the effort. <coughs> no, I think that's great. Well, I, I we're we're coming to the end of our time. I've got one more question. I want to get your thoughts on because you've got such a ba- a broad bandwidth of, of U.S. and international experience. But it always amazed me when I first started uh, six years ago, seven years ago, starting to work on regulatory positions, and when it was pre market. Um, certain leaders, probably 60, 70%, they have to have five, 10K experience. They have to have authored, led. Um, and as I got more experience in regulatory, working on positions and talent and interacting with the industry, I always just found that really interesting because I think that the pathway is generally pretty clear um, in the US. And when you look at um, India or Russia or China or Japan or Brazil, there is a lot of opportunity for things to get lost in translation. You sometimes have to dig a little bit deeper to uh, find solutions. And so I always, my perspective was in interacting with people that had international experience that wanted to get U.S., 
where they wouldn't get opportunities that they have the ability to, to think strategically and that shouldn't be that big of a, a, a leap. So what, I'm just curious your thoughts on that. To me, each country or, or different countries or different territory areas are, have different mind thought, you know, like how the regulatory people are. And the FDA are unique in the way that they think. Um, yeah. And in some ways, they're the gold standard. Um, <clears throat> but it is about learning how the regulators think about things and what they're expecting and trying to satisfy that. And it's about presenting your product to the regulatory authorities that you want to get approval for. So if the FDA wants it one, two, three, and a different territory wants it three, two, one, then you just do it that way. It's not changing right. your product. It's, it's taking and giving them the information so they can re do their review in that way. So I don't think any particular jurisdiction is um, problematic. If you have the emotional intelligence, it, I guess, is what I'm – it should be potentially transferable if you've got the right type of person. And, and you, the other thing is, is that I think you need to make it easy for whichever regulatory authority that you're going for. So, you, you know, the more you do uh, to your submissions to make them clear and concise, well-organized, and be interactive with them when they call to tell them where things are, to make it easy for them, you know, because right. you are the expert of the product that you just sub submitted, and if they can't find something, it's not because they don't know what they're doing, but they've right. had like 10 minutes or, you know, less than 10 hours with the submission and they need to extract all this information out of it. So I, I think we, we do good to be calm and, and listen to what <laughs> before and the escalation. That. Yeah. And, 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 and keep up with their point, you know, that they're trying to protect their particular people from their particular juris, you know, jurisdiction or territory. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your experience and, and giving up your time. I really appreciate it. I think this uh, conversation was great, and I think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to appreciate it. So thank you so much for coming on. Okay. Thank you, Darwin. For the video recording of this podcast, along with additional resources, Make sure to find us on the web at SureGSolutions.com and follow us on social media and LinkedIn at SureGSolutions.